Welcome to the Straight Talk on Fleet podcast with Aaron Gilchrist. Each week, Aaron will be breaking down fleet management, trying to cut through the noise and get down to the real issues safety and operations leaders are struggling with every day. The goal will be to get to the bottom of how leaders can break down these silos of information, accelerate change management, how to use real-time accurate data to drive massive efficiencies across fleet-focused business processes, and to elevate people's careers with emerging best practices. Now it's time for the Straight Talk on Fleet. Well, welcome to everyone as people are still finding their seats here. This is Chris Luckenbill. I'm the VP of Product Marketing here at IntelliShift, and I'll be your MC for today's live recording of episode 22 of the Straight Talk on Fleet. Why is this episode live? We wanna hear your thoughts and answer your questions. So if you haven't already, take a minute and locate the questions section of the chat, and you'll see that at any time during today's podcast, you can add a question. If you've already brought your questions, go ahead and add them now. Or while Erin's giving her keynote, you can add your questions then as well. And then once Erin's finished, we'll select and go through those questions. And then I'll unmute each of you in turn. And you can discuss or you can, you know, you can ask Erin your question in real time and we'll all get the benefit of hearing uh, how you all are working through that. This forum is for integrating and interacting. And so we encourage you to give us your poor, your hungry, and your best safety challenges. Our commitment is to get to each and every question. And if we don't get to it today on this call, Aaron will follow up personally with you and provide the answers. So now that we've covered that housekeeping, it is my privilege to introduce Aaron Gilcrest Rugg, IntelliShip's fleet evangelist, a little bit about Erin for those who don't know her yet. She was the 2019 Fleet Manager of the Year and spent 15 years at SafeLight where she oversaw all aspects of fleet operations. Today, Erin will share with you the six key steps that she's prepared to help you get your own organization on a mission to zero accidents. So Erin, take it away. Thank you, Chris. It's so exciting to do a live episode of the Straight Talk on Fleet. So Chris said this is episode 22. So yeah, there's 21 other episodes out there. So please subscribe wherever you get your content, or you can always just go to intelliship.com and subscribe there. But again, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining. Um, I'll be recording, as Chris mentioned, So and that includes all the Q&A. So if you miss something or you're taking notes, you'll have this to refer to later as we'll be sending it out after. So let's get to it. So today we are talking about changing hearts and minds around safety in organizations, and that's complicated. And building a culture of safety can be really even harder because it means something very different, right? It means that safety is really part of the very fiber of, of the being for your organization. So today I'm gonna to share how a well-developed safety program in your fleet that includes everything, tools, tech, policy, process, will help drive results in every area of fleet management, from accident management to fuel, to maintenance, compliance, life cycling of your vehicles. So again, you can't go wrong when you're putting safety first. So the big takeaway as it relates to safety in organizations is this. So safety can be a way of working, but it really has to be the way we work, really for everyone in every role across the organization, to really drive culture. So waiting for that catastrophic event to happen to invest in safety means it's too late. And just remember, if you are involved or have been involved in a fatality, you know that everyone forgets all the great things you've done in your role because that becomes top of mind. And so in, in the marketing world, and Chris mentioned he's in marketing, he's a marketing expert. So Toma is top of mind awareness. So when you think like batteries, you think Duracell, or sour cream, you think Daisy, right? So as fleet leaders, our Toma is no one gets hurt and we don't hurt anyone. So essentially that's that mission to zero accidents that Chris talked about. So, you know, in today's environment, our roads are more dangerous despite everything we were doing and everything we've done. We know that US traffic deaths hit a 20 year high in early 2022, up 7% from 2021. 
More accidents are resulting from distraction and phone use, unfortunately. We have one customer with 180 assets who is now experiencing an 85% reduction in accidents. Last year, half one to half two after installing AI video dash cams. However, what's critical about what I'm sharing today is that a culture approach will build the foundation for lasting success like they experienced. Because the only way to maintain those baselines and to continue to improve on them and drive savings and reduction in accidents is to drive culture. So with that said, building a culture of safety is critical to your organization. It's good for people, it's good for business, it affects trust, retention, respect, productivity, cost. Um, and for more on that, go to episode 10 of my podcast on safety culture where I really, really dig deep on this topic. But I think challenges to this way of thinking and implementing this type of change today, especially in our environment today, that's, that's challenging. People are working remotely, there's difficulty finding drivers and operators, there's inflation, there's delays in the supply chain affecting everything we do. But the one thing, no matter the circumstances, circumstance that we can never sacrifice on is safety. So the impacts to your business when you put safety and people first are monumental and they're completely game-changing. But building safety culture, any type of culture in your organization really requires vision, alignment, and strategy. So again, in six steps, this is my, my perspective, here, here, is, here are six ways to get there, right? So let's start with the very first step, and we're gonna share these in summary a little bit later. Top-down leadership approach. This is a non-negotiable. It's a deal breaker for your organization. The messaging and program that you develop around safety should be communicated by and executed on by senior leaders from the beginning and ongoing, like forever, right? They have to set the stage. So again, we could talk about that in, in uh, much greater detail, but that is a very critical step in driving safety culture across your organization. The second is higher right, right? So this is tough in our current environment. However, things that are you know, easy rarely bear the same kind of fruit as we all know. So you know, things like background checks, MBRs, drug screens, medical exams, and cards prior to hire, that sounds great, right? But if you can't find these qualified people, invest in this on their behalf, you know, with passing, as a hiring contingency. And then as part of your higher right strategy, think about pay structures and job coding that fits with hiring professional drivers or hiring good drivers that you will turn into professional drivers, which means you need to pay them fairly, treat them like the rock stars that they are. They're gonna be out um, on the roadways with other motorists with the most dangerous tool you'll ever give an employee, which is a vehicle. Right. So again, that higher right strategy is critical. Number three, creating a safety committee. You could call that several different things in your organization, but really who's in there? HR, operations, and that's field ops and leaders of drivers, right? Finance, legal, um, fleet, risk with an executive sponsor. You know, and in service organizations, that's likely the COO but you want that executive sponsorship to streamline your presentations and approvals to get you into the right meetings, um, to pre present yourself or bring some of those um, subject matter expertise, experts from your committee um, to help you present depending on whatever content. But this committee's role is to steer the organization in all things safety, right? So policy, tools, technology, ongoing progress, job safety analyses, whatever your business requires. And when there's uber-focused things like vehicle selection and upfitting, um, these are things that you as the fleet leader, you know, will do with your external partners and present to your committee once fully baked. So you can bring those external partners in and have them be part of your committee um, again, the more subject matter expertise, data analysis and things that you can share kind of sets the stage for what the organization will come to expect from you and your committee and really drive um, your vision and mission in a much more streamlined manner. 
So again, it's using these subject matters, matter experts to help you think of everything that you haven't thought about. And also so you don't have to. I mean, we have a lot of skill sets as fleet leaders, but we don't have to do everything, right? So also think about how to get the committee engaged with operations, day-to-day, -day, drivers, operators out in the field. Maybe have them do a day-in-the-life session or ride-alongs. And include your st strategic partners there too, because they can be ex an extension of you, your department, and your committee. Um, when I was running a fleet, I required that my suppliers, all of them, despite what they did and how we partnered, to do ride-alongs either three or four times a year and bring those insights back to me, the committee, my department, and talk about um, ways that they could be a better partner for us, uh, mostly related to safety um, and technology. And then number four is investing in your people. So we're gonna spend some time on this. You know, initial and ongoing training is, is critical and sort of a no-brainer. However, um, it's what you do after that and all during the life of that um, employee's tenure that really drive a safety culture. So driver and leaderboards and scorecards, so everyone's accountable and aware, right? Those are built with pointed and actionable insights for all levels of the organization's leadership, but especially for drivers to get consistent, accurate information and scoring that's prioritized for your uh, business's unique needs. You know, think coaching, gamification, ways to kind of uh, connect with that driver every day. Driver scorecards that are built intuitively and technically with safety as the top priority will most certainly serve you in every other area of your organization. And we'll talk more about that. Scores, scorecards as part of an integrated field mobile app for your workforce, complete with inspections and operator safety modules, um, really important approach. Um, so I've talked about scorecards a lot. Th these should be inclusive of compliance and safety items too, right? So while you have that driver's attention, safe driving scores, that's aggressive driving and distracted driving components from telematics and AI dash cams. And then field behaviors like fueling, um, idling, preventative maintenance, and of course, inspections as a very fundamental and foundational first step of every day of a professional driver despite the vertical or vocation right so i could talk about that you know for days um inspections but i, I have a whole podcast dedicated to that as well i think number eight and then a consistent approach to policy compliance and effective coaching consistency is important for fairness for liability purposes and it's the right thing to do right so I think the most important component of this fourth step is, is showing and investing in your people is showing them, the organization, the leaders, the drivers, what's in it for them, right? So then the most important thing you'll develop and communicate as a safety committee and an organization with a real safety culture is this what's in it for me message. I mean, mostly for drivers, right? But it's for everyone. And I've talked about this in almost every single podcast that, that, that I've broadcasted. So think about your driver fitness and building this bubble of safety around your drivers as a messaging strategy and as a safety strategy. So think about it um, holistically, like the safest vehicles upfitted for fit and function, as well as comfort and efficiency, telematics and AI video dash cams to keep drivers safe from distractions and other unsafe drivers on the roadways, scorecards that encourage drivers to continue positive behaviors. And I think the big nut to, track, to, to crack is convincing drivers that again, this safe work environment is not just a way of doing safety, but again, the way we work, right? We don't wanna suggest that there's any other way, okay? And then you, as the organization, organizational fleet leader, you know, is focused on this one way of working. You're driving that. You're helping to drive that across your organization, which, which, which creates a suite of processes, programs, policies, tools, and tech designed for their safety, the drivers, the, the operators, and sustainability in the workplace that allows them to be there long-term and to get home every day safely to what matters most to them. So that's, 
again, that's the key component is that messaging about we care and we really want you to get home safe every day because we know what's important to you um, most and that's your family, right? And then finally, like rewarding incentive and incentivizing safe driving behaviors. So that's whatever fits your organization. Ideas like swag for a million miles of safe driving or you know, just clearly define what, what those metrics are. You know, maybe no accidents, no at-faults, whatever. Um, maybe they build points for scoring or rank within their home location, division, region, and they can select from a catalog, whatever. But whatever works for your organization, it's important to um, reward and incentivize um, those safe behaviors. And then number five, investing in the right tools and technology. You know, we talked about this bubble of safety around your drivers, that safe vehicle, those safe tools, that all the things that we can do um, really starts with vehicle selection. Um, so the right vehicle for the job, for the miles that they'll drive in that vehicle, for the areas and geography they're, they're going to drive in, tire selection, all-wheel drive, ADOS, packages, those can come from the OEM, but that will just get you part of the way there. Just think about a total technology suite layout, right? So from the most basic to the most advanced and futuristic. So road safety, roadside safety kits, cones, triangles and flares, backup alarms, reversing cameras, telematics, AI video dash cams with audible alerts in the cab. So listen to episode nine on AI video dash cams. I really, really dig into what a robust tool they are and how they are just um, set to top off your tech stack in a way that no other technology can. Um, and then having a fleet intelligence partner or tool, right? What does that mean? You need to be able to take big data and do predictive analytics, right? You need to have dashboards that are customizable for your business that are predictive and proactive in nature. And th that's the key. Because again, reacting after an event is too late. So put yourself, your organization, your reputation in a position to be predictive and proactive in your approach. Then the key here is that AI learns as it goes and it helps to identify behaviors and combinations of behaviors that are indicative of your next accident so you can prevent it before it happens, right? So that goes to that philosophy again, that if you build for safety, you're building for fuel, for maintenance, for vehicle life, for driver retention, the list goes on. You, you can't go wrong is what I'm saying, when safety is top of mind. For example, our clients are reducing accidents by 33%. They're cutting risking, risky driving behaviors by nine times while also saving up to 35% on maintenance costs. So it all goes hand in hand. And I talked about inspections um, and, you know, that, that is kind of that critical first step. So that leads us to the, the final step here. And I'm sure you can add more depending on your organization. But number six is comprehensive vehicle inspection and maintenance programs. So you could listen to episode six on maintenance and episode eight on inspections, where I really dig deep on both of these topics and the key components to success in both of those areas. But generally speaking, when you build for inspection and maintenance success, those tools and that tech are easy to use, are digital, they provide coaching, alerts, scoring, analytics, reporting, right? All part at all as part of an integrated solution for your fleet. Okay, so those are the six steps. I know I went through that quickly, but I wanted to open up time to talk to you all. So let's just recap really quick here. The six steps. So one, top-down leadership approach. Two, hire right. Three, create a safety committee. Four, invest in your people. Five, invest in tools and technology. And six, comprehensive vehicle inspection and maintenance programs. So I mean, I think the key here is really just never stop exploring researching, growing, changing, and never rest on today's results because that will never get you to next. And, and again, waiting till something happens is, like I said, always too late. So at this point, I'd love to open it up for some uh, open discussion and some Q&A to get your thoughts and questions. We do have a couple questions. So 
everyone attending, uh, we do encourage you to submit your questions. Meanwhile, Aaron, we do have a question from Bill Zehender. So Bill's question is, what are the new safety features being added to vehicles today? Yeah, so that's a great question. Thanks, Bill. Um, I think that, you know, in consumer vehicles, so the vehicles that you and I drive around and have been for years have had um, advanced driver assistance systems or ADOS equipment in them for, for many, many years. But I think in the last, I'll say, three to four um, fleet vehicles, th that technology has become more robust, right? We've been able to select from a greater list of technologies and safety tools for our vehicles. You know, again, um, forward safety, collision alerts, lane departure. Um, there's that whole suite of ADOS equipment is available in fleet vehicles today from commercial cargo vans all the way up to our heavy duty trucks. Um, but I would like to point out, Bill, that while there's a lot out there you can select from the OEM, um, just know that there's a lot of bundling going on. So just be careful when you're selecting those things, the other things that you're getting alongside of that. And also know that there's a lot of great technology that you can add in that I've talked about today that, again, build that total bubble of safety around your drivers. So thank you. Great question. And we're going to go to Tim Murphy's question. <laughs> Welcome, Tim, our first live questioner. You want to go ahead and read or uh, ask Aaron your question? All right, Aaron, what I'm looking for is we have 400 vehicles on the road on any given day. We'd love to do a driver incentive program, but managing it is just where we're trying to, because it's, I mean, we get the data from our GPSs, right? We can tell who the good drivers are, who the bad ones are, but rewarding them is just, it's cumbersome because you got 400 vehicles and drivers and how do you manage that with a staff of three people right it's just difficult you're speaking my language here tim thanks for that question um so when i was a fleet leader um at times i had upward of 8500 plus drivers at any given time so i feel your your pain i, I think the beautiful thing about technology is a driver's scorecard helps you to, to rank those drivers and to do it fairly so that you can reward them in whatever way that works for your organization pretty easily, right? So I know I'm making it sound easier than it is, but let's say um, drivers are going to be points for potentially um, scores above 96% or seven out of 10, whatever, whatever, however you're scoring them. Um, you know, having them build points for that and pick from um, a catalog of swag for your organization or, um, you know, employing a partner to do that. When I was with Safelight, we had um, a, a marketing partner where we had a swag catalog that people could pick from. Maybe it was for an anniversary or for a milestone of safe driving or whatever it is that you want to reward for. But using the tech to score your drivers um, in a scorecard gives you the data easily and then making whatever makes sense available to them um, once you've identified those winners. Another fun way to do it is and it also creates a little bit of an environment of like competition between the locations is scoring the locations for their safe driving as well as the individual drivers and then rewarding the location or the top, you know, five locations with a pizza party or, you know, again, those things, they go um, have their pizza party, submit the expense to the organization under incentives, and you haven't had to do uh, much at all. So those are some ideas. But again, it does require that you have some scorecard or something that can um, help you aggregate those scores easily and bubble up those top drivers over time. And again, pick the metrics that work best based on the industry you're in and the miles you're driving. Um, again, whatever works best for you guys. Great question. Thank you. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Tim. And uh, now we're going to go over to a question from Brian Martin. So I've got a question. I came into transit in 2018. Uh, we have a, uh, a mixed batch of technology. I'm wondering, does something exist that would allow maintenance operations and the driver 
to communicate. So if the driver, I've seen one system that was pitched where the driver goes out with a tablet, does their PTI, that information is directly transmitted back to maintenance, goes to operations. So if they doubt it for a bad tire or something else, maintenance is notified with a red flag. Everyone knows so the vehicle's out of service. Have you had any experience and do you have any recommendations on it? Absolutely. Um, great question and a great opportunity for me to quickly talk about how we do that in IntelliShip. So um, today, um, when the driver does a vehicle inspection or has a maintenance um, event that's, that comes from an inspection, then that feeds into the maintenance program and helps get the ball rolling on whatever needs fixed on the vehicle. So that's, again, sounds pretty simple. I'm, I'm making it sound simplistic. It really is. That's what we do at IntelliShift is bringing those data points together so that you, um, from one viewpoint, can see what needs taken care of. So you could know that a driver went out, did an inspection, he has bald tires, you, you'll get an alert in the maintenance system, you see that that needs done, you can schedule that, and make sure the tires of your choice are in stock so that he's not showing up to a shop and getting upsold. So just one example of how it would work in IntelliShift system uh, today. So does that answer your question? <laughs> does, does that also feed over so that the dispatchers would be able to see that, hey, this vehicle's now down. Yeah, absolutely. So it feeds into the maintenance system. So if you have um, you know, a network of shops or you have your own shops, they all have visibility and access to all the data that's coming from the maintenance program and the inspection that the driver does. So that way everyone has visibility at the same time to what needs done and it doesn't get put on a back burner and then an incident or accident happens or a breakdown happens that affects you getting to your you know, customer on time. Okay, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, thank you for the question, great question. Mm -hmm. um, so next up is Jake England. All right, Jake, you're live. Go ahead and ask Aaron your question. Perfect. So we've got probably over 1,500 units on the road at any given time. And I loved your comment about integrating proactive coaching based on predictive trends. Uh, so we, ha we have Lytics dash cameras in, in our trucks, like 98% of our trucks have got those. We're in the process of installing them now. What are some common techniques that you're aware of that we can do to proactively coach based? I mean, I, I, being reactive is just not an option, but I'm, I'm not sure how to tackle that. Uh, so what can I do? Yeah, it's really all about data stewardship, right? It's okay. taking the data. Really, what, what I did when I was a fleet manager is understanding what the data for accidents that already happened, either in my fleet or benchmarking with other fleets, what those told us. So think about, you know, you have the excessive speeder and you're not seeing a high trend with excessive speeders, meaning their accident frequency is low, right? And then you see that the person who's hard, hard corners or harsh braking, they're getting in some lower profile rear end accidents. But when you put this data together, what you'll start to learn, if you look at it holistically, and really, again, it's big data sets, takes a lot of analytics, but you'll realize that it could be a combination of behaviors like the risky person who doesn't put on their seatbelt combined with this hard cornering behavior is really indicative of the next accident based to what based on what you've learned from your historical data or what's out there in the industry. Another example is that high risk driver who scores high because they accept excessively speed while they might not have a high accident rate in your historical data when they not if but when they do get in an accident it is going to be much more severe and maybe catastrophic maybe there'll be a fatality because accidents at high speeds are obviously dangerous um, and they have horrible horrible outcomes right so waiting to address them is not an option right so I think the moral of the story is looking at combined historical data to understand combinations of behaviors that have caused the accidents that you've had in your fleet 
And again, benchmarking against other fleets, um, we do that well in the fleet industry. I know that for me, I relied on lots of my um, partners in the industry to compare data. And then if you have a partner, um, such as a fleet management company partner, they have um, a lot of data, right, that they can share with you and help you understand what could happen in your fleet with your behaviors that you might not have experienced yet. So really rely on your partners to, to help bring your data and other data points together to paint that um, proactive picture that's going to help you tackle um, coaching and training and retraining before an accident happens. So those are just some, some ideas. I'm sure if others have ideas in the audience they want to share, you know, feel free to raise your hand. But um, again, that data analytics and data stewardship part, it helps with everything, not just um, accident management. Perfect. That's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Great Jake, question. Really great question. Aaron, we're getting such amazing questions right now. There's some that are really press. We're awesome. We're so smart. <laughs> I mean, there's some there's some really great questions here. We're gonna go next to um Russell's asking one that I think everybody, everyone that I've heard in that's thinking about purchasing cameras has this question. So we're gonna go. Uh, to wrestle, wrestle Van Martyr. Yeah, so I was just wondering, we're getting the dual-facing cameras, we're installing them this week, and uh, just in regards to telling, um, you know, the drivers or whatnot, what have you found like best practices as far as like introducing the cameras? Yeah, so I think, okay, you're installing them this week, so that's big, right? So congratulations on that, it's a great step towards, you know, mission to zero accidents. Um, so that's one, but two, I think, right, you're in it now. So I would sort of rush to uh, the communication piece. I, like, so in my um, keynote, I talked a little bit about this what's in it for them method or approach, and it really is a strategy for everything you're going to do, but certainly for cameras because people have this feeling like someone's watching me, um, it's big brother. The best way to quickly get this message across, because it sounds like you've got to do it quickly, is showing them some examples, and I'm sure that your provider can help you with this, is showing some examples of what can happen, right? And that your main goal is to keep them safe and get them home safely every day to what matters most to them, which is obviously um, not work, right? It's their family, it's you know whatever makes them happy. So starting there and then getting some messages across about what could happen, even some video clips, um, that you could share with them to get them on board. Like, we're not looking at you every day. We really don't even have time for that. We just want to be able to, you know, wake you up if you're falling asleep. We want to exonerate you, not if, but when someone accuses you of something that you've done in an incident or accident that you, you may not even have been there. So it's a great exoneration tool. So share some examples of that. But those would be kind of three quick things you could do this week to get out to that driver population to let them know you care, you're out to exonerate them, and you're out to avoid or totally um, eliminate or prevent at-fault accidents in your fleet or any accidents. Because for me, I feel like almost every accident's preventable, so. And one other, one other thing, question I had uh, was, we'll probably need to update the policy, you know, just as far as letting them know that we have dual-facing cameras and um, that we'll be monitoring and doing a scorecard. Does IntelliShift have any, um, you know, white, you know, the paperwork that we could use? Absolutely, we certainly do. So here's, and this is for everyone on the call. So my email address is aaron.gilchrist at IntelliShift.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, just DM me on there, give me your email address. Um, I'll also give you my phone number, it is 614. So I'm going to wait for a second. So if you're writing this down, 614-579-6487. Um, that is the only phone that I own. I don't have any other business landline. That's it. So if you call that, you'll get me. Um, so you can reach out to me or you can DM, DM me on um, LinkedIn. And I'm happy to uh, provide you with some more information around driver communication and any of the any of the content in my podcast. So, give you my outlines. Um, I'm happy to share that. It's free content there for, 
for the fleet community so that we can um, mostly keep our drivers safe and protect our businesses, but lots of other things. Be really, just run the safest and most efficient fleets, right? All right, thank you so much. Thank you, great question. Russell, amazing question, and I wish we had more time to ask everyone on this call what you have done and what your experience is in rolling out cameras for those of you who had them, because it, it would be great to collect that knowledge. Thank you so much. Next up, we have uh, Judy Nusky with a really great question about scorecards. So let me get Judy into the conversation. I know how important scorecards are, and um, kind of along the lines of what um, Jake England was um, discussing about some of his proactive coaching. I just wanted to touch a little thing on that, that um, some of the things we do for managers and that managers should do is um, maybe become certified by a third party safety driving training. And then they can then take those tools that they learned and then coach their drivers, especially the ones that have um, repeat behavior. But the thing I had about the scorecards were, because I'm very big in um, reporting, so obviously um, insurance reporting, there's 11% increase in um, insurance rates this year, which is astronomical. And um, I believe that, and I was wondering what your thoughts are, and maybe it already is implemented in some organizations, that there should be different scorecards. One for safety, maybe even having different ones ranging from new hires, to um, high risk, and then the maintenance scorecards. I think the maintenance scorecards, which I know the data can be pulled from IntelliShift, I just think that on the reporting process for companies to report that information to insurance companies, do you think having them separate would actually need more work, help in the safety aspect, and with the reporting, um, or you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, thanks for your ideas and comments, Judy. I like that idea of partnership with driver training up front and certification. And scorecards help with tracking all that too, by the way, um, when a driver's up to be certified or their vehicle is. So I'm going to start with your question about combined scorecards. It's hard, right? But in my experience, I would recommend having a scorecard that has a safety component as the top thing, right? It's weighted the, the with the heaviest weight, right? So aggressive driving, distracted driving, but then having points for, you know, keeping the vehicle maintained um, on schedule um, and on schedule can mean different things, I know, um, that they've done their vehicle inspections on time and, and daily, if that's what you do, highly recommend daily, and implementing things into the scorecard so the driver has one place to go to see that they're doing well, that they're driving safe and they're maintaining the very expensive and dangerous asset that you've entrusted them with. So that would be my preference. Now, depending on the organization and all you listening out there, that might not work for you. And you might have a scorecard that drivers toggle page to page to see, here's my safety score, here's my maintenance score, here's my inspections, which I, again, could be together, or my overall compliance score. Am I getting, now, now get this guys, bear with me, Am I getting my fuel at the right place, at the right time, at the right price, at the right type? Yay. Along with, am I maintaining my vehicle um, on time and I don't have any issues? And um, when a vehicle code spits out, I, the driver, don't even need to know about it. It goes to the organization and like the question that we had earlier and things start rolling and the driver just gets a notification that says, hey, Chris, I need you to take your vehicle in for service. We've scheduled your appointment and your parts are in stock, right? So that's the ideal situation in my mind. But Judy, Judy to, your, to your question, I think that that can come in different forms. It could be a place where they go and scroll or it's a single score that embodies compliance and safety. And when I say compliance, that's really you know maintenance fuel inspections, right? So. Again, awesome question, great insights as usual, Judy. It's great to hear your voice. Um, I love Judy, by the way. And um, and just you know, this notion of having something in place so that drivers can focus on their vocational work because you've made it so easy for them to do all the fleet things that you need them to do because they're mission critical to your organization. That's really the key when it comes to scorecards. So. 
my 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 opinion. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Judy. Uh, next up, we have Lori Olson, and she has two questions that are related at a high level. And so Lori's really asking these questions about that the tie into your six steps about this idea of the committee, right? And this mm -hmm. idea that there's this top-down leadership approach, you know, so she's tackling this big issue of, hey, you know, I'm managing a fleet, <laughs> my job's tough enough, how am I getting all these other people, right, involved, if I'm paraphrasing. So she asks, building a culture of safety requires a company-wide approach, as well as access to data. What divisions of an organization are you finding is accessing the data coming from the fleet vehicles to further the safety planning? Great question. So um, first off, getting people together is hard, but if you do not get the subject matter experts together in your organization and have all of you sort of beating to the tune of the same drum, you, you'll fail. So I would say do the hard work because it bears better fruit, right? So start with, you know, finding your ally in HR, legal, risk, ops, safety, those groups, fleet, and getting them together and saying, okay, Let's lay out this vision and get help from your HR partners. Your HR partners and your supplier partners should be helping you write this script, right? And when you do, and when you can sell that there's no way that you're gonna make decisions without your partners in the organizations, you're gonna break down silos right now. And when they feel those silos go down, they're gonna to wanna to help you. They're gonna to wanna to help you succeed as a fleet leader because when you succeed as a fleet leader, everyone in the organization does. So if we can stop thinking about ourselves as cost centers and start thinking about ourselves as revenue generators, when we talk like that, everyone in the organization is going to be like, oh yeah, okay, Aaron's not just spending $80 million on expense and $125 million on CapEx. Actually, she's reducing accidents to almost zero. People aren't dying. We're not killing people. Oh, and by the way, our, our vehicle um, life cycling is spot on because we're maintaining vehicles on time, we're addressing maintenance events, we're reducing costs. Okay, sorry, um, I, get, I get crazy. But that is an excellent question, Lori, but you really can't do it until you do that. Um, and that'll really drive culture. And it really gets you in that C-suite and everybody's ganging up on the C-suite. They have to listen. They're gonna be, they're gonna be um, accepting what you say and they're gonna be doing a lot of this right? And then everybody wins. Okay, so then to this, okay, the second part of Lori's question was, Chris, help me out. Well, and Lori's live now, so she can probably do a better job of filling <laughs> in. Hi, Lori. Welcome. Hi, thanks for helping me out there. Uh, so, yes, I mean, the next step to that is, you know, you're right, you've got to get everyone in the room where it happens, right, in order to make those decisions. And because that safety plan also impacts other initiatives down the road too. What advice do you have in getting those key players in the room to listen to you and to listen to the data and help that data tell a full complete story of what your goals are and how they list to the KPIs for the organization going forward? Yeah, okay, so guys, episode five on change management in your organizations, listen to that, please. If you have time, I, I, I would I highly suggest it because I talk a lot about how to get the people in the room, right? And data is like the key component. When you can, when the data, data will tell the story, but pulling that data from places like the vehicle, the technology you put in the vehicle, whatever tech you're using, right? It provides data, so it's about finding either a partner to help you aggregate it and tell that story about the trends and things that you're experiencing that are unique to your organization or, or maybe not unique. So once you can tell that story, that's when you go to these people and bring them together and say, I have a story to tell you. And when we make the changes that we're gonna implement and recommend over time together as a team, here's what we expect the end results. And maybe, like we like to say, mission to zero accidents, call it what you will, but feel free to steal that. Um, but this idea of our goal is X. And, and for us, I'll go back to top of mind awareness. We don't wanna get hurt, 
and we don't want to hurt anyone, right? So maybe it's just that. And and it's not just that, but maybe it's that. And then once you have that story to tell with the data that you're pulling, um, again, use your strategic partners, right? In your portfolio, you have people who are helping you likely with maintenance, fuel cards, maybe telematics, maybe you're just getting uh, data from phone, some MRM tool um, like a phone. Wherever you're housing that data, find someone, maybe it's your FMC, maybe it's IntelliShift, pull it together into one place so you can easily glean the insights that help to tell that story that you're trying to tell, Lori, or anyone listening, um, and be able to convince and influence that team to help you. And they will. It works. Um, I think also I did an interview with Bob Mossing, who lots of people know in the fleet community, and he talked about, um, you'll have to help me with what episode that was, Chris. I think with Bob, it was like maybe seven or I can't remember, but Bob talked about his safety committee and it was brilliant. He talked about how he pulled them together, the things that they talk about, how often they meet. So really good insights there as well. So again, um, and then just, you know, any of you reach out if you, if you're scratching your head on how this might work in your organization, I'm happy to help. But Lori, awesome question and great to hear your voice too. Yes, thank you so much, Lori. I wanna switch it up a little bit. Uh, Matt Giuliano, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, has implemented cameras and he wanted to talk about that for just one second with you. So awesome. give me one second and we'll get Matt on. And while we're pulling Matt on guys, I know we're coming up on the hour here and we will, try to grab all these questions and I'm going to reach out to you personally and answer these questions or discuss with you whatever topic that you brought up today that we might not get to. So just FYI. So we're looking to, we've had GPS for a while now, we're looking to add the camera. So we've gotten pushback. So that other call or the questions and the things that you address there help with that. But the other, the other thing we're looking to do besides just the driver safety aspect is have the ability with the camera to be activated by us at the office remotely so we can see what's going on at our job sites throughout the country. And we're having a problem finding people who, who do that. Do, are you aware of any technology that would enable that or? So are you looking for vehicle tech on site at your locations or tech site cameras? No, vehicle tech. So basically the, the camera would already be on the vehicle doing the driver safety monitoring and everything. Mm -hmm. And then the ability to then activate that camera, the forward facing, and then we could see the job site and just monitor briefly what's going on and making sure everything's okay. Absolutely. Throughout the day. Yep, that, that's a great question and a great approach, uh, frankly. So for example, our cameras at IntelliShift, which again are prior, proprietary to us, and we have lots in stock, so if anybody needs cameras, outward facing and inward facing. So you can do any kind of monitoring both ways at any time that you want to. It's customizable for you and your business, however you wanna do it, how often you wanna see what you wanna see. So that's one approach. Definitely other providers out there, but the, out, the um, outward facing camera does allow you to see what's happening um, in the outward environment, despite what it is and when it is. So Chris, when the vehicle's running or can I activate it even if the vehicle's off and there's no keying the ignition? That is a great question. Chris, is that something you could help me with? <laughs> yeah, so we'll definitely follow up with you. I think, you know, the the idea here is the same thing that the IntelliShift product team's working on, where if you have these data siloed in different um tools or even in different platforms right now in the january release and the february release of intelliship the idea is that we'll start to pair that data in ways that you will even be able to customize in your own dashboard so in this case and and just to summarize you're saying that in order you'd like the camera yeah can you rephrase that for me that you want the camera to the identify camera to the vehicles off at the yeah. job site. So there are some that do that. It could be customized easily. Typically the camera, like in our case, runs for an additional two minutes after the vehicle's turned off. That can be changed to any time parameter you have. The real 
condition behind the scenes is how much data you're consuming sending all that so if you have 100 vehicles if you want the camera to record continuously you could but now you're in terabytes of data a week right so it's just a matter of balancing out how much data you're saving and then really <laughs> the trick on the the other side of that too matt is who's looking at it and how are you using it and how all is right. it so there's there's a couple of complexities there that I'll kind of hand it back to you to see if that answers the question or not, because there's a ton of different complexities between the carrier, the data exchange to the cloud, and then who's monitoring it and how is that data being surfaced inside of your GPS interface. Yeah, so I guess that's that's where the question is, is uh, everyone, a lot of people have its cameras recording while it's forward facing. Some of them, the vehicle has to be moving. Some it's just like you said, when you turn the vehicle off for two minutes, it'll pick up. But we wanted the ability to live turn on the camera, not necessarily recording the data, but just so we can see what's going on at the job site. Yeah. Um, uh, and that I'm asking because it's something we we want, but I'm having a real hard time finding anyone that does it. <laughs> yeah, Matt, so I would encourage you to just reach um, reach out to me. Again, my email address is right here in the chat. Or yeah, I have that. I sent I sent your company a bid for what we're looking to do. Haven't heard back from anyone, so I'm gonna send everything over to you, Aaron. If that's okay. That's perfect. Okay. Looking forward to hearing from you. Right. Yeah, we yeah, love this use case, Matt. I would love this use case and would love to dig in with you to see the particular the exact issue you want to solve for sure. Yeah. Thank you for, Thank for your you. question and, and I look forward to talking to you real soon. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. And I had them backwards. I know we only have two minutes left. So um, I apologize to Troy Walker, who is going to come on and talk about his great experience that he's had with cameras already put into his vehicles. Um, but uh, there are a couple questions. There's about seven or eight that we didn't get to. And as Aaron mentioned, we will be following up with each of you uh, on these questions and really appreciate this is this has been a lot of fun. Aaron, I, I just I'm, I'm just amazed at how complex that, you know, every one of you understands these issues and, and where the exact pain points are. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's super exciting. And guys, I know that hour went really fast because, you know, like what, things go fast when you're having fun, right? So um, we look forward to doing this again. We're going to be doing yeah, a live podcast every month. Yeah, we're going to have to do it again. Clearly, we'll have to do it again. Yes. We're going to try to do something live every month. So I look forward to seeing you all back. And we'll talk about a lot of great topics. If you have topics you want to talk about, again, hit me up and we'll try to cover those topics. Um, so I want to thank you for your time, for your attention, for your questions. Um, and again, I'll get back out to all of you and answer your questions in the very near term. Um, Chris, thank you so much for hosting me today. And um, again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a great week and stay safe.